desiring for a positive experience is in itself a negative experience, but the acceptance of a negative experience is a positive experience. Mm -hmm. So And welcome back. Welcome aboard another par train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my partner in crime, Mr. Matt Cermak, our other co-host. Hey, what a ride we just had, sir. I mean, are we always enjoying the ride? What a great ride we just had with Andrew Murnane. Guys blowing up on social media, 700,000 followers on TikTok. We'll get to that. But in case you're new, welcome aboard, guys. If your game golf game is off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, You've come to the right place. The par train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The par train podcast unpacks <laughs> the mental game with PGA tour pros, best-selling authors, CEO, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you, me, and Andrew Murnane today, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of the par train, just like every episode of the par train is presented by Roback performance apparel. Sir, you're so we were joking, sir. Apparently, Chicago has gotten a record number of gray days. What, like 40 straight days of zero sunlight? And Hank and I wanted intern <laughs> Hank and I wanted to check in, make sure you're OK. But yeah. it's starting to get warm. The sun is starting to peak out. Is that true? Technically, there was 43 straight days with that sunlight Jesus the whole day right <laughs> like you just couldn't have a true sunny day it's been downpouring the last 36 hours but the 75 80 degree weather is coming next week what do you need for those days you want a fresh polo maybe a, a hoodie a new q-zip new hat what do you what makes those days even well, better sir uh, in chicago when it's 50 people are out in shorts barbecuing so yeah i'm wearing right, a jacket so, for me i might I'm going to pull out my new print, my new Augusta rollback print polo. Yeah. I'm going to pull out their great hats. Um, what you're yeah, wearing right I mean, now. I, the fact is I just got to, I think it's time for everybody to load up on pol rollback polos and rollback hats. Yeah. You know, I just for got you, the new, you know, it might 75 is cool for you. So you might start looking at the vests, you know, when sure. you come to Chicago, we haven't really talked about this on the show. You're coming to my bachelor party, obviously in Cabo. Oh, yeah. July. Heard of it. We're playing uh, La Quivera, Los Cabos, bucket list course, basically Pebble the Pebble Beach, Beach of Mexico. Of Mexico. <laughs> and I just got the margarita polo for that trip. I'm not oh. going to wear it until that trip. You might want to get one so that now we can be wearing matching margarita polos. Maybe a mojito for me. I'm more of a mojito guy. I think they have a mojito so, shirt. All right. So maybe look is. at that, guys. If you want to spruce it up, get yourself a new polo. We got, we just got a text from Daily Young, a former guest who sent us a picture of his wife wearing her first rowback hoodie. He just got two more. He got like a two polos before that. I mean, guys, I'm telling he's you. <laughs> he's living his best rowback life. He really is. Guys, I'm and telling now you. And now his wife is too, Brianna. We love Brianna. Shout out. We, there was no one else that could have sponsored our show than rowback because of how much we love them and how good their stuff is. So I'll stop talking about it. All you got to do is go to rowback.com, enter the code train, get 15% off. And if you've listened to our show before and you thought about getting it and you didn't get it, or you've gotten it before and you're like, oh, I don't know about getting more. I'm spending a lot on it. Guys, just do yourself a favor and treat yourself. There's no one like them. They're the best gear in golf. And more importantly, it works for any situation. So you're really getting your money's worth because it works Mother's for anything. Day, we have Mother's Day weekend, Father's yeah. Day coming up. Like you said, have any situation, guys. Yeah. Rollback.com, enter the code train, 15% off. And if you've already done it, enter a new email. You didn't hear it from me. Okay. SBCGlobal.net. <laughs> Hotmail. All right. Andrew Murnane, at not Andrew Murnane on TikTok, 700,000 followers. He has a podcast called Dualistic Unity as well. You know, what we hope for with this show is people will listen to the episodes and pull out one little nugget that they can take on the course with them to remind them to maybe not get as down on themselves, to maybe stay as a little bit more patient, stay in it. Andrew does that for life and he's reaching a lot of people and helping them realize that the things that we think don't always help us. And you have a choice to change the way that we think in order to be a happier, healthier human. And I thought this episode 
could have been another wow episode when we finished because it just went, we, we went really deep and you got to stay to the end because I think the last thing he said before we left was one of the best things he said. And uh, just a, another amazing conversation. Like there's, there's not many lulls in this conversation. Like you guys will get a lot from our talk with Andrew. Well, yeah. I mean, I just think of clarity, Ev. I think mm. Andrew just has found clarity in his life. He knows what, why he's here, what he needs to do and how he needs to get there. Um, look, we love these episodes when, when we start finding other people out there that, that maybe aren't, you know, golfing every day or pros or teachers, but he did grow up playing a ton, you know, stopped playing for a while. He's getting back into the game. So a lot of good correlations back and forth between, you know, not just what's happening in your mind and in personal growth and in your life, but also as it relates to the course. Um, I'd love to have him back on the show. Ev. I mean, he's got a calmness. He's got a positivity and, it just got me thinking we just have to continue to remind ourselves that it's going to be okay. You know, and whether you're struggling with your driver or um, I'm struggling with my driver or we're just, or I'm not playing as well as I used to play and having these expectations, man, it's going to be okay. doesn't matter. We get into that. (laughs) Nothing matters. He talks about. So it was, it was absolutely awesome. A really great episode. And, um, I think there's just, I think we're just getting started with Andrew. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Well, you guys are going to love this conversation. So thank you to Andrew for coming on. Um, if we've added any value or if this conversation adds value, do us a solid, you know, only if it feels right. You know, if it feels right in your core, head over to Apple Podcasts, give us a review. If you don't have an iPhone, if you're an Android gal or girl, or guy maybe maybe wake up if you're an android guy well, yeah, we won't get into the green <laughs> if you're, if you're a green phone again. green phone yeah. person you know <laughs> hey they're Anyways. all you know everyone's welcome everyone's welcome on the show yeah, but, to an you know. extent but yeah. <laughs> uh give us a spotify five-star review if uh if you're an android guy or gal and give us a follow at the par train instagram twitter and tiktok you know like i've said before we post things there multiple times a day every day that aren't on the show. So if you like the show, you don't follow us there, get some nuggets, uh, get some value there. And uh, no matter how you're hitting it off the tee, no matter what self image you have about yourself, no matter how bad you think you're playing, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. Guys. Take care. Andrew, there was a ton of different ways we could have started this conversation. For better or for worse, I landed on, on this. What does enjoy the ride mean to you? Oh, man. Coming in hot with the first question. I like it. Um, We don't waste time, Andrew. We we were talking a lot (laughs) off camera. We got to get right to it. Yeah. So, yeah, this is something I've I've been contemplating actually a little bit recently. And I think so often we get caught up in where we're going and where we want to be and what we want to be and and what we want to accomplish. And I think... For me, enjoy the ride is just recognizing that peace comes down to all that enjoyment of your life comes down to is not wanting to be anywhere other than where you are right now. Any time you want to be somewhere else, you won't be at peace. It's not to say that you can't set goals or strive for things, but if you're not there in the step that you're on, in the journey that you're on for each step, like that's your life. So you're going to miss your entire life. You're going to wake up one day and realize holy shit, like I kept striving for all these things. And all I ever had to do was be where I was, be where my feet were. And so I think enjoying the ride comes back to recognizing that the ride is only ever the step you're on and, you know, set goals to give you a direction. But as long as you strive for them and feel like you need to accomplish them in order to, you know, feel whole and complete, you will never feel that it's a never ending path to frustration and, so yeah, that's, that's my spiel on enjoying the ride, I guess. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think it's funny, Andrew. I think a lot of people that are either just starting to follow us or have been following us for a while sometimes can confuse the enjoy the ride mission. I think sometimes they can see it as blind positivity, uh, enjoying, you know, almost like a neglect of 
the pain or shutting the pain out and just seeing everything through these rosy colored glasses. And I don't think that's always actually what it is. I think it's similar to what you just said, which is, you know, if a lot of the pain ends up creating the best stuff, Jay Shetty said this recently, if you think about it, all of our most meaningful experiences is usually a big change or a shift. That doesn't mean it's not painful, but that opened us up and unlocked something else that made us closer to who we are. And when you understand that that stuff is all part of it, you start to realize like, yeah, Serm and I could obsess over getting to a million downloads, you know, and then think we made it and we celebrate and we have a party, we have a drink, whatever. But I've started to really think about lately that this is the, like, if we get even bigger and bigger, which I, I know we will, and we're going to impact more people, but this is like the best part. A lot of people say that have made it in music or acting like the going to the auditions and the quote grinding and the, the making and the building is the reward, right? So I think with golf, a lot of people are reaching for this score and they don't even realize all of the little things that happened that are awesome during an up and down round of golf. So I resonate with what you said. I think that's fair. I think it's a good reminder for our listeners to, to think about that way. The idea that the journey or yeah, what is it? The journey is the destination. Yeah. And I think just having, having the clarity of recognizing that the accomplishing of a goal is just a single moment. It's not this massive thing that's going to, you know, change your life forever. I mean, sure. If you get, you know, if you make it on the pro tour or something like, obviously that's going to be impactful, but it's not going to come from you only focusing on that. It's going to come from you focusing on the moment that you're on. So, so always constantly wanting to be somewhere else, wanting to accomplish, desiring this positive experience. It's funny because I don't know if you've heard of the backwards law. I think it was coined by Alan Watts, but it basically comes back to the desiring for a positive experience is in itself a negative experience, but the acceptance of a negative experience is a positive experience. Mm -hmm. So anytime you're desiring to be somewhere that you're not, or desiring to have something that you don't, that desiring that in itself in the moment is a negative experience. But anytime you're going through a lull or a tough time or, you know, having a bad round or, or made a bad shot to tie it back to golf, the acceptance of that and the allowance of it to be and, and the lack of resistance to that is a positive experience. And so it, it's people get so caught up in labeling moment to moment experiences, not recognizing they can't see the bigger picture. They don't know what's going to happen. Any, they don't know anything that's going to happen beyond this moment, like everything beyond right now, everything in the future is completely uncertain. So the recognition of that and the acceptance of whatever happens in the moment, whatever you're feeling in the moment, uh, is hugely beneficial for coming to terms with, with feeling peace and, you know, acceptance is just a big part of that. Yeah. So we talked off air for a bit about the parallels of us and, you know, trying to be quote, a relatable just ourselves, but a person that people can, we can maybe shift the way they see their reality in a way that positively impacts their life. And just to give you some context on me, like I used to hide my spiritual side. I used to be kind of embarrassed by it. I used to like sneak down the aisle and grab a self-help book. And like, I used to be afraid for my exes to find out, you know, and ironically, since starting to talk about that within golf, it's the one thing that makes us unique. It's the one thing that people connect to. It's the one thing they think about now with us. And so I'm just curious to give people context on you. Like, you know, you said off air, there's a moment, a story that made you start posting, that made you start to express your view on life in a way that impacts people. What was your moment? What made you start to want to share? Yeah, I can go into that a little, but I think what you said just about being open and authentic, it, so many people resist that because they're afraid of, of being judged. And so they try and be something that they're not, and they make life more difficult for themselves. Because if you're always just 
being what you are, which is what you are when you're not trying to be anything at all. You're not trying to be this idea for anyone else or portray this, this character. It's so much, it's just so much easier to live that way because, and I know it's easier said than done. It doesn't happen necessarily overnight, but when we try and, and be something else or hide or resist, you know, the, the, the way that we are, it just makes things so much more difficult. So the acceptance of that, the ability to express yourself authentically and openly, like there is no longer, obviously anxiety can still come up, but when you're always being yourself, you can never do anything wrong. Like there is no wrong thing that you could say or a wrong thing that you could express. So then you're just sort of free from the confines of that idea. But anyway, I uh, wanted to get that out there. So for me, like my background for like when it comes to mental health was uh, in high school when I was 15, 16, 17, I had a decent amount of social anxiety and just was constantly worried about what people thought of me. I was always worried about the future, how things were going to turn out, always nervous about stuff, just always living in my mind, basically, and never recognizing that like, I'm always just the present moment. That's it. I'm not this idea that I think I am. Uh, and so throughout college, like it started just naturally getting a little better. Um, and then towards the end of college, I got into more spiritual self-help stuff, started meditating more, started to recognize that I was sort of this awareness of my thoughts and not, or at least that I was aware of my thoughts. And so I was able to build up this sort of like disconnect and not take every thought that came up so seriously. And then over time, I, I recognized, cause I used to care a ton about what people thought of me that the first recognition was just like, people aren't thinking about me as much as I think they are. Like I'm constantly worried about myself and how people are perceiving me. Almost everyone else is doing the same exact thing. Like everyone are so focused on their own life and we forget how seldom people think about us. And so that, that helped a lot. And then starting to post content, that was sort of like the last hurdle for me. Cause in my own life, I was, you know, fine. Social anxiety wasn't so bad anymore. And then I would do part of my morning routine for a while was imagining that I was a hundred years old, like lying on my deathbed, basically like super old, super wrinkly. I'd be in that state for like three or four minutes. And then I would think back on my life and think about what I regret about my life, what I wish I had done in that state of being like old and about to die. And for like a year and a half straight, the only thing that came up was not posting content, like not creating content. I didn't even have an idea of what content I want to make. Like I've always been into fitness and nutrition. So like could have easily gone that route. Um, but yeah, so then finally I didn't post anything for like a year and a half, even though I knew every morning that I was going to regret that. And then finally one day I was like, fuck it. I know I'm going to regret this. I have to start posting. And so then I did. And yeah, it was kind of no looking back. And I was lucky because I had kind of didn't care what people thought of me. So like the beginning stages of posting content can be a lot more difficult because you're going to get texts and messages from people like, yo, man, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like everything good, like all this weird shit. And it's like, what, like, why, why do you think I'm not good? Because I'm posting content and putting myself out there, but it's so, so different, especially for kids who knew me in high school to think that I'm doing this now. It, it wouldn't have aligned with their idea of me, their perception of me that they had. So when it's jarring for other people, people like certainty. So they like to know what other people are like, so they can box them up and like set them aside. So they don't have to think about it anymore. And so when someone starts acting differently or, or grows and, and things like that, they, they start to question it. And so, yeah, that's kind of just background for starting to post content since then there's been a lot of ups and downs. Um, but it's overall been probably the best decision I've ever made. Andrew, that's a, that's a great background and welcome to the show. Um, I do have to ask you, I see you wearing a lot of angels and airwave shirts in your videos. I'm a huge fan. So and I think there's a correlation between breaking free and doing what you want. That's kind of what Tom DeLong did with angels and airwaves, right? He left blink. What's your favorite song? And maybe talk about them a little bit for a second. Cause I think they're Ooh. amazing. <laughs> yeah, This is Cermak's dream I... topic to talk about <laughs> a little rock and roll. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I fucking love Tom DeLong. Like he yeah. is 
he's might be top three or four people I want to get dinner with. I've, I've seen, I saw him once because I've been to two other concerts in New York. I went 2019 and then just in uh, 2021, they, they came back. And so I've seen him twice in concert. And afterwards, I always stay after to like see them all walk out. Yeah. So yeah, just like being able to see him in person was cool. Um, but yeah, favorite song, uh, probably Heaven. Same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And then Flight of Apollo is up there too. But I have like, I like so many of them, but yeah, I think, I think heaven just gets me going so much. And, and there was, uh, he usually closes with that in his concerts. And I remember the first time I saw him in 2019 and they played that at the end. Like I'll never, I can picture like the entire thing. It was like all gold lights flashing everywhere. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's just something, something about his voice. It's, it's a very polarizing topic because a lot of people think he has a terrible voice and like can't listen to him. I think it's, I think it's awesome for whatever reason. Um, so that's a big part, but yeah. yeah, his whole, his whole demeanor, especially like back in the blink days, like just really, really not giving a fuck and being able to, to leave a band as massive internationally massive as blink and start a project that he felt more compelled to do is there's just a lot of, uh, yeah it's because and, and so cool. to what i was talking about he wanted to sing about you know spirituality and you know and all these things that were not blink and you know you, you just called to do it right so it's yeah i saw him a couple months ago too they're great yeah. well it's um, similar real quick sir before i know you have more to jump in but real quick the funny parallel there is andrew we start kind of as like pj tour comedy more of like a mainstream <laughs> PGA tour sports focus, like bringing a lighter side to tour coverage. And there was a lot of, we had probably like, well, I don't know, some 10, 15,000 followers on Instagram with, yeah. and I remember I'll never forget this guy told us one day, he's like, you know, you're going to probably grow faster with that. And talking about like general golf stuff and golf memes and all that stuff. But someone who follows you, is not going to necessarily want to listen to the podcast. And that's when it all shifted. It's like, I was feeling called to talk about that sermon. I debated it off air all the time. And it's just, we geeked out about it. And yeah. when we started really leaning in on us, our own games and what we what really fired us up now, people that follow us, it's a no brainer to listen to our podcast and people that listen to our podcast usually are listeners for life. Uh, at least we hope. So yeah, it's so interesting, you know, of like how scary that moment is. But to, when you talk about it, Andrew, it's like, well, fuck it. What well, what are we risking, really? Well, Andrew, back to heaven, the last song of the, of the tour. What does he say before? You can do anything you want in this world. You just got to try. Good night, we're angels and airwaves. And that's that's his journey. I think that's a lot your journey. And to what Ev just said, kind of what we, we just had to let go and and do what we were feeling. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> and I think the the fear of, of judgment is such a massive aspect of why people don't do those things. And I think that I can't think of another reason why someone wouldn't start creating content and expressing themselves besides fear of judgment. I guess if they just don't have time to do it, but I think that's like the number one reason, not at least 90% of the time that people are afraid of what people are going to think. And the reality is that like, first of all, people are just focused on themselves. Like they really don't, like we don't spend very much time thinking about other people when you really break down, like how much time, like throughout a day, like 24 hours sleep for, you know, seven or eight, the other 16, it's like, you're focused on yourself. You write down a to-do list for your day. Like that is shit you're doing. You're not writing down like, oh, judge this person. Oh, like check in on this person and make a negative comment. It's like the people doing that are suffering. They're hurting, you know, like hurt people, hurt people, like people who are happy and busy and enjoying their life aren't taking time to spend much time judging. And in, when they do, it's typically out of insecurity. They, they feel a need to because they don't feel secure and whole and complete in themselves. So they judge people to, to try and bring them down to, cause they feel low and they bring them down so they can feel a little bit better. But then at the same time, then 
they go back to worrying about what people think of them because they think their judgments are the truth. So then it circles back to thinking that other people's judgments of them are going to be the truth. And it's like this vicious cycle that just ends in misery. Um, so yeah, ju- a lot of things come back yeah. to judgment in that conversation. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from one of our brand new sponsors. I don't know about you. I've never fully found my shoe. Like my Nikes I like because they look on the sportier side and I just like Nike as a brand, but I've got really wide flat feet and it's not the most comfortable shoe. I actually have to consciously leave the laces a little looser, otherwise the outsides of my feet hurt. Um, G4s are known for their comfort and I've liked them, you know, they've been decent shoes, but uh, I also don't love... I know it's not a saddle look, but just that classic golf shoe look, I just don't want to wear that all the time. Sure, maybe if I'm a little bit more dressy on a certain round, sure, I'll wear it and I'm fine with it, but I was never really ecstatic about my golf shoe. I never really felt like I found the shoe for me, okay? Well, here's the thing. The old marketing director from TaylorMade uh, now is the director at Olakai. And she contacted me a few months ago and she says, I love what you're doing at the part train. We would love to launch our brand new golf shoe with you and the part train listeners. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I've told you many times, I never promote a product until I receive the product and make sure I love it because I don't want to share anything just for the money. I genuinely have to make sure that I love it so that you guys will love it too. And guys, I am blown away. Okay. It looks like this elevated, like super casual, nice sneaker, but it's got a little sporty twist to it. So I open up the box. Tara freaked out. She's like, you have to get me a pair of these. These are exactly what I've been looking for. And they call themselves the most comfortable golf shoe. I I love the look. The comfort's even better. Genuinely, these Olakai Wale golf shoes are the best golf shoes I've ever worn. And the coolest part about them is, you know, Olakai is known for their sandals. And I could never wear flip-flops because my feet are so flat and wide. The only pair of flip-flops, leather flip-flops, I've ever been able to wear that were comfortable, that my feet could fit, were Olakai's. So it's ironic, but also it makes sense, you know, that if Olakai makes the best quality sandals and the best quality leather, their foray into the golf shoe, it makes sense as to why these are so good. The heel of the shoe is built to fold down. So if you want to slip into these shoes and just kind of wear them with your heel out to happy hour or afterwards, after the round, they are built to flip down and then flip back up. It is the coolest. Like you don't think you'd ever need it, but when you do it, it's actually kind of awesome. And so I love everything about these shoes. I can't wait to tell you guys more about them, but I want to get you back to the show. So make sure you go to olakai.com, go into the show notes. They're also going to be linked in our bio at the part train on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Click that link um, and get yourself the Willet golf shoes. They got a couple types. The others are a little bit sportier. They kind of look more like a trail shoe. Um, but I just think these, these Willet golf shoes, they come in white stone and dark wood. These Olakai Willet shoes are the greatest golf shoes I've ever worn. So hit that link, get yourself some shoes, and start enjoying the walk. You know, we're all about enjoying the ride, but enjoy the walk as well. These shoes are incredible. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, Andrew, I hear you you, you mention a lot in your, your videos that nothing matters. So if we turn this over to golf a little bit, right? And you said, Matt, nothing matters out there there and i said well no this shit does matter like this is really important to me like the, the you know golf is you know and i put a lot of time into this you know so what what's the balance there help help me or help the listeners get through like yeah well, man i know it matters to you but like if it matters too much then it gets in the way so yeah so, so talk through this a little bit yeah so i think it's important to sort of caveat that nothing matters besides of course what you want to matter So it's, but it's like sort of a reframing because I think, especially growing up, we're told what matters. Like we're, we're given this sort of blueprint for life and and you have to do this in order to succeed. You have to, you know, obviously everyone has to go through high school at least. And then, you know, most people go to college, 
get a job, make enough money, save enough so you can retire and then enjoy your life when you're 65 to 80 and then you die sort of blueprint, which is pretty bleak when you, when you put it like that. But um, yeah. So when it comes to the idea that nothing matters, it's just keeping in mind that I think you can, you, it comes back to deciding for yourself what matters to you and, and what you want to matter. Like, of course, something matters to everyone, but being able to come at it from a little bit of a lighter approach and recognizing that, you know, this experience is fleeting. The things that I think are going to matter so much, like how people perceive me, you know, what my legacy is going to be like, don't matter so much because everything is fleeting. So it's like, none of that stuff matters. So like do whatever you want to do in your life, figure out what matters to you and fuck everything else and focus on that and, and do that and, and do what brings you that joy day to day. And, and a lot of it is overcoming those, those fears of other people's perceptions and judgments. But yeah, it, it comes back to, it's not that nothing matters and nothing should matter ever. That sort of thing. Like the, the negative side of nihilism sort of, or pessimistic nihilism, as they say, it's more like optimistic nihilism like nothing matters so why not do anything as opposed to nothing matters so why do anything which you know it is it is a balance and i get caught up in in the other side of it but but then it's like you know nothing matters but that also doesn't matter and what matters is what i'm doing here and now and the course right like if you're playing like a lot of times when we get so mad and angry and sad out like with our performance in the golf course is because we think maybe the people next in our group are laughing at us or are not as good as we thought we were, or, you know, it's ruining my day. Like, or, or I took my bad day. We're not as good course, as we course, thought we right? were. Yeah. So it's just how to like, there are things that you work on or practice to, to, to keep you in a good frame of mind to say, you know what, it's going to be okay. Because that's the challenge, right? <laughs> you know, is letting go or having a short-term memory, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, relating it back to golf, I think we build up these ideas of, you know, what we are, what we want to be. And going back to the idea of, of peace, it's like, you're never what you think you are. You're not, you know, a, a good golfer or a bad golfer, because then, especially so when it comes to being able to play your best game, if you labor, your, if you constantly label yourself as a bad golfer, you're like reinforcing this idea that you're bad and that's not going to help you perform well. But at the, on the same token, if you label yourself as a, as a really good golfer, then that may instill some fear that you may not live up to that expectation. The reality is yeah. that you're not anything that you ever think you are. You're just the moment. You're just the shot that you're taking right now. It's not, it's not this score. It's, it's the shot, the swing that you have, even the practice swing that you take before you actually take the shot. Like that's what you are in that moment. In the moment that you're driving, that's, that's what you are. You are driving the ball. And this actually brings up a a interesting point because I don't know if you're familiar with Alan Watts or anyone listening is familiar with Alan. I don't know if I I check him out. I've listened to some of his uh, tracks and just like if anyone heard me listening to it, they'd be like, what the hell did you just listen to? But it's like blows my mind every time I do. So, yeah, yeah. He's my favorite philosopher for sure. Um, Cause he has, he's like a real person sort of, you know, he's not this guru who's got all these robes on, like sitting on a mountaintop, looking down on everyone. He's very much like he dealt with alcohol. He, he was like a real, like had multiple different marriages and divorces and all this stuff. So as much as he recognized that he was the universe experiencing itself, there was no division, you know, he was what was, he was reality. He still went through all the same human shit. And he was, you can kind of look at his life and see like, oh, as much as, as clear as he was, he still struggled. So there's like an appreciation in that, I think, but he talks about uh, something he's mentioned is the redefining of what you are and, and the idea of it comes back to like nouns versus verbs. So when you say something like I am playing golf, 
it's not that you are this thing that is separate from golf. Like you are the act of playing golf when you were playing. Like, it's not that I'm swinging a golf club. I am something that is separately swinging a golf club. Like you are the act of swinging a golf club. There is no division without you. There would be no swinging of the golf club. Like I am putting the ball. It's not you separate from like, you are the act of putting in that moment. So it's not like this super jarring thing. And, and I didn't understand what the hell he was talking about for a while, but I think when you're able to recognize that you are that, which you are doing, it, it cuts out all the extra noise because whatever it is that you say that you are in that you are defining yourself as that, you know, verb, that action verb, it's always here and now it's always the moment that you're in. And that is all that you are. You're not a good golfer swinging the club. You're not a bad golfer swinging the club. You are swinging the club. And that is, that is it. So in that there's sort of like a freedom from the narrative that you always say, or even saying something like, I am having a bad round, like reinforcing that to yourself. Like you really think that's going to help you, you know, on the back nine, if you have a shitty front nine, like, no, if, if the more you're able to let go of the swing you just took or the putt you just had, the, the more freedom you're going to have in the round. And like, it's inevitably going to lead you to playing better. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic practice that you can have in golf that is so relatable to life because you know any situation whether you get angry or some shit happens to you being able to let go and move on and just be in the moment without carrying all that baggage with you every single moment past that is one of the keys to freedom and peace well have you talk about this a lot it's a lot what i take from that andrew and i jump in is self-identifying right and it becomes constant right you self-identified with how you warmed up at the range, how you slept last night, how you swung it on the first hole and you kind of carry it along. And it's just, it's a vicious cycle, but breaking away from that. So I just wanted to- I used to struggle. My, my biggest learning moments was when I'd play with a guy I was coaching with because I created this identity of, well, this guy's paying me to help him with his mental game. So I better perform. Otherwise, it's like, why am I paying this guy? And it took a lot of work personally to figure out that they're not paying me to play. <laughs> really, the only thing they're paying me for is my attitude and how I respond to things and really their game. So, you know, that's a good lesson for everyone. But I actually think, Andrew, the thing you just made me think of was a conversation I had yesterday, an hour and a half call I had with the founder of Mental Golf Type. Uh, they, it's basically a personality assessment for golf and then mental game tactics based on the way that you're wired. And we just did a podcast with one of their, uh, basically their like head coach of mental golf type Kyle Aldrink. And the founder called me because I was talking about my struggles off the tee. And I think of anything that I do in my game, the tee ball is the most relatable thing. Going to be the best case study for all of our listeners, because I have created so much trauma and disappointment and judgment around the driver because of all these past traumatic experiences of two-way misses, penalty strokes, all these things. And the most powerful thing he said to me yesterday, which is very similar to what you just said, is three words, act as if, not be or do, but act as if. And he finished the sentence with, Act as if you are a great driver of the golf ball. So when I ask you, who are you? I want you to tell me that you're the best driver of the golf ball in the world. Now, some people may think, what the hell? I can't even hit a fairway. You want me to just lie to myself? But the point is, is that acting as if is a softer way in. If I tell you to be the best driver in the world or do this, you can just say, well, I'm not. And then it cuts there. But if you tell me and ask me to act as if I am, then I can start to almost encompass the energy of what it would be like to be that guy. So, okay, so I just hit one right. Act as if I am the best driver of the golf ball in the world. How would he act? And then see how it helps separate me from identifying with the ball that I just hit and now thinking that I'm a failure and people are looking at me. And yes, it's creating the same story of 
I'm a terrible driver of the golf ball. It's preventing me from shooting lower scores, blah, 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 blah. So I think that's really powerful. And before I let you jump in, I think he tied it also, which is really powerful. He, he tied it to past experiences that I've had that were really great. So how did I feel in my core when I striped one down the middle? Like I almost used the word hungry. Like there was something like I was gritting my teeth the way I watched the ball. It's like this fire in me that hell yeah, that felt good, right? I know what I'm doing. You pick up the tee before that thing even hits the ground. And he's like, feel that, feel that. Then go into your drive, acting as if you are that guy and hit your spot, hit my zone in the sky. For me, that's what, so acting as if instead of being is a really interesting way to go at it. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. It comes back to in every opportunity you have infinite options of how you want to perceive a situation or how you want to take things. So it comes back to why not? Like, why not? Why, why am I not the best driver? Because something happened in the past that's telling me that, but I'm not my past. I'm just this moment. And in this moment, I have the opportunity to be anything. So I want to be this. I am this. I, I, I have the opportunity to be that. And I think what you were saying before, when you were with a with someone you were coaching or something, and you built up this idea of that. I, I totally resonate with that because I remember the first few times I was on podcasts, I very much came into it with an idea of what I was. I'm, I had this idea of myself that I was, oh, you know, I'm someone who has built a following on social media. I talk about why, you know, nothing matters, no reason to worry about anything, like taking action leads to confidence, stuff like that. And so I would come in with this idea of myself and I would get like very nervous going in because I was like, am I going to be able to live up to this expectation? People have, like, I had this idea that people definitely have this expectation of me to be really good on podcasts and be able to speak very fluidly and articulate my ideas very well. And so I would come on, come on with this idea. And it was fascinating how that idea led me to, it wasn't that I, you know, didn't do well, but there was definitely a tension going into it and sort of like a self-expectation that just isn't necessary at all. Like it doesn't actually do anything. So now, like, since I've recognized that I'm never what I think I am, I go in with, I don't know. The reality is that I don't know what a good performance on a podcast is going to be. I may it's funny because I talk about this sometimes, like I may come on to a situation or if I'm giving a talk or something. And if I open up with saying, I'm super nervous right now, like I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm super nervous right now. And then let people know that I'm feeling that way. That might be the best thing that they hear for their own struggles. Just to know that someone who talks about this stuff also goes through the shit also deals with these things. So recognizing that the reality is no matter what ideas I have about myself, I don't know what a good or a bad performance is going to be. I don't know what the outcome of a situation is going to lead to. And even, you know, thinking back now on those couple pod, those first few times I was a guest on stuff and I was super nervous looking back, it's like, oh, that was, you know, a bad thing. If I hadn't done that, then like, you know, I'm, I would have performed better, whatever. But if I hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have been able to use it as an example in this podcast, for example, it, it wasn't, it wouldn't be something that I could learn from. So we like to even looking back on things, think about situations in our lives that were, were bad. But if, if all of those failures or all of those struggles led you to a success or led you to where you are right now, then they're no longer struggles or failures. They are just the first steps in a successful situation in finding peace or being happy. So then when you recognize that about the past, you can see that in the moment that you're in, whatever you're going through, you no longer have to judge so closely because this could lead, as we were mentioning earlier on the podcast, this could lead to a situation that 
you know, you do feel more peace, but it wouldn't have happened if that, you know, shitty situation hadn't happened. So we like to parse out these moments and, and judge them. And the more you can see that about things leading up to the moment that you're in, the more you're able to take a step back and not judge the moment that you're in so much and just recognize, I can't see the bigger picture. I don't know what this is leading to. This isn't objectively terrible. It just is. Maybe it doesn't feel great, but this could lead to something incredible. So that's just some stuff I try and keep in mind. All right, guys, we're going to take another quick break here from one of our amazing sponsors, and then we'll get you right back to the show. Guys, I think we know Jordan Spieth works in a swing, right? I think we know Jordan Spieth works on a short game. We probably should a little bit more as well. But what if Jordan works on something that you may not know about? What if Jordan has a secret weapon that other players don't use to help him go from super down moments, like maybe number 12 at Augusta, to a Claret Jug or the RBC Heritage Open? Well, it's called Neuropeak Pro, okay? He uses a product, it's a brand new product, called the Intel Belt. And essentially, you just put it on your bare skin underneath your chest and you'll be good to go. It's not a heart rate monitor. It's a breathing trainer. Okay. That's key. So it's unlike kind of anything out there on the market. And it literally trains you to breathe your way to the zone. Okay. Check out this video. I just posted on Instagram. It kind of shows you the visuals, obviously on podcasts, we're just audio here, but, uh, essentially as I breathe, these lines go up and down and kind of a bell curve graph and it's live. And so it's tracking my breathing and whether and where I am on the scale of optimum breathing to get in the zone or, or not optimum. And it essentially graphs me versus what the optimum state would be. So as I'm breathing and testing and training my own breathing, whether it's through my belly or through my chest, most people breathe through their chest. It's really best. And Neuropeak Pro trains us to breathe through our belly using our diaphragm. Um, I'll know. I'll know specifically and scientifically what it feels like as I'm getting closer to optimum breathing. And then I'll be able to pull from that while I'm playing golf or even in life and know how to settle myself down and get myself into the optimum state using my physiology and my breath. Okay. So it's really unlike any product out there. It really helped Jordan win the RBC heritage a week after he got cut from the masters, which I think he's only done once in his career. So if you want to feel like Jordan, you want to breathe like Jordan, and you want to just feel good regardless of what's going on around you and how your shots are in front of you, here's what you got to do. Tap the link in our show notes. Just tap this episode. You'll see a description. There'll be a link for Norpeak Pro. Tap that link, enter the code train. You'll get a free annual subscription. You can also go to our bio at the par train on Instagram. Tap that link there, enter the code train, get a free annual subscription. There's really no product like that, guys, out there like the Intel belt. So if you really want to take your game to the next level and breathe like the pros breathe uh, and just be a happier, more calm human off the course, definitely check out the Intel belt. It's really helped me on my journey as well. So thank you guys. Thank you to Nerpeak Pro. Hope you guys learn to breathe better and play better. Let's get back to the show. Andrew, I want to talk about the power of habit. I think um, you're a great, great example of, of, um, you know, there's the book atomic habits, but really doing a lot of the same every day. And I think great performers have that, you know, in common and on the golf course, we talk a lot about the show, maybe thinks I harp on it too much, but I talk about the pre-shot routine, right. And, 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 and how you practice off, like when you're not playing, you're really only as good as how well you practice, how efficient you practice and how good your routine is. Cause when your pre-shot routine is off, for example, you know, if you're not thinking about target or you've got all these mechanical thoughts, you know, or you're thinking about score, you're going to struggle on that shot. But a lot of times you really, the story is you got to set yourself up what you're doing off the course, you know, in your mornings at your date, you know, in your professional life and your relationships. So wanted to, wanted to hear you talk about some of your habits and what's really helped you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, People just, I know I'm harping on judgment, but people, when it comes back to self-judgment, like people really hyper-focus on when they try something new or say they're early on in their golf game, they, they judge themselves so harshly and, and how they're doing, but they don't see that, you know, building 
confidence and in, in getting better, like it just comes back to those repetitions, like those little things that you do moment to moment, day to day, eventually lead to, you know, becoming better and becoming more successful. And so people get caught up in, in wanting to be really good at, at first and hoping that they do. And so if you can take a step back and just fully accept, say you start out, you're just starting to play golf, fully accept that for the next year, you're going to be a terrible golfer. Not that you have to label yourself as a terrible golfer, but you're, you're not going to be good. And that's totally okay. Like you're fully accepting of whatever you do, whether you swing and miss or chunk it with a, you know, six inch divot, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter because these repetitions that you make right now are going to lead to, you know, better rounds in the future. And so your first round is never going to be as good as, as your 10th or your or hundredth or, or the first year that you play is never going to be as good as the fifth year that you play, but you can't get to the fifth year. You can't get to the hundredth round before you do the 10th round or before you do, you know, the first or second year. And you can't do that year before you do the first year. And you can't do, you know, the 10th round before you do the first round. So seeing that it comes back with, whether it's confidence or improving, it's something It comes back to taking those, those first few steps and recognizing that you're probably not going to be as good as you want to be. You're not going to be as good as your friends who have played for five, 10, 15 years. Like that's just how it's going to be, but you're not going to get there without doing those things at first. So there's, there's a sense of acceptance for however the performance goes without, and not connecting yourself, your sense, sense of self-worth to, you know, whatever score you have or whatever shot you take. It's just, that is, is separate from what you are, like you're whole and complete in every single moment and nothing that you ever do can ever possibly change that. So with that recognition, then it's like, go do whatever you want to do. Just recognize that first. And then, you know, go practice, go, go be shitty for a year. If, if you're enjoying it, like enjoying the experience of it, it's going to inevitably lead to improvement, but you can't improve without going through the shit at first. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, I mean, I know we could probably, we could easily talk for like six hours and have the longest podcast ever. I know we have about 10 more minutes, so I'm going to get to some golf, but I was looking at your TikTok, and if you guys aren't following Andrew, it's not Andrew Murnane on TikTok, 700,000 followers. I was looking at your categories, you know, the little buckets you can create, and I want to read some of them. And I want people to smile about how much they can apply to golf. And then I've got a very specific question for you. It's overthinking, worry, let it go, acceptance, the illusion of control, fear of judgment, no good or bad. That's not all of them. That's a lot of them. Think about how much that applies to the game of golf, but also the game of life. But there's one quote you said that I think if people don't take anything away from this podcast, I think this is the quote that might end up really making people change the way they think on the golf course. You ready for this, Andrew? Big lead up. It's I'm ready, yeah. Whatever you resist persists, right? Now, I want you to think about that quote and talk about that quote, how it relates to your experience now that you're getting back into the game of golf and how it could potentially help the 15 handicap out there listening to maybe play a little lighter, play a little better. Yeah. So I think it pretty easily ties into golf when, you know, you're having, and I know it comes back to, I guess, not labeling as much, but if you are, you know, having a shittier round, wanting it to be better, the resistance to what is happening or the resistance to the idea that you're not, you know, playing as well as you want to, and you wish you were, is only going to make the round less enjoyable for you. And, and, you know, if you have some bad shots, I guess this probably ties in better. So if you have some, some bad shots or like a, a shitty front nine, then you're like, you're, you cling to that idea. Like, Oh, I wish I hadn't had a bad front nine. Cause now 
you know, my, no matter what I do on the, on the back nine, it's not going to be my overall score is going to be as good. I shot a 50 on the front. So now, you know, I, I won't be able to break 90 unless I shoot a 39. It's like you, you stay hung up on that. But the reality is that, you know, you're not going to improve through that mindset and, and the acceptance of whatever has happened every single moment, every single shot before this shot, the full acceptance, like that it is what it is. There's nothing wrong with it. And right now I have this shot, but as long as you continue resisting the idea of, of what happened in the past or, or the, you know, you just quadruple bogeyed and hit in the water twice. When, when you carry that into the next hole, do you really think that's going to help you do any better on that hole? So when you think of your golf game, if you're able to think about it as, you know, it's not even, you know, one nine front nine versus back nine, like focus on that. It's not even like hole to hole. It's like shot to shot. And every single shot, you have the opportunity to improve your game and get better. So when you're able to hyper-focus on the shot that's in front of you, that is where the opportunity for growth happens because that's the only thing you're ever doing. You're never hitting two balls at once. You're only ever hitting one ball. You're only ever taking one shot. You're only ever putting one putt. So as long as you cling to what has already happened in the round or, or in the week or at work and bring it onto whatever you're doing and, and you're wishing that it hadn't happened, it's only those feelings of resistance and despair and anger and sadness and depression and whatever are going to stay there. And then it's going to carry into every future shot that you ever take. Andrew, that's good. I think there's oftentimes a lot of little phrases that certain players cling to. Um, we, what we had Webb Simpson's um, mental coach on and Webb Simpson, you U.S. open champ. His whole philosophy is let God and let go. That's his thing. And I don't, that's probably not what you would say, but like, what would you say out there? Like, and we talk about nothing matters. Like then there's, there's other players that can't think like that. That's just not how they're wired, but you know, it's so important for us to find our little mantra out there, you know, based on who we are, but what keeps us grounded. Like you said, get to that next shot. And that's, that could be your best shot, but you got to get in the right mind mindset and forget what just happened on that quadruple bogey you talked about. That's a, that's a good question. I, I feel like I don't even know if I've played enough to like keep things, but maybe it's mind. not, but maybe it's not just golf. It's just, you know, Cause it's about being in the present, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe the thing that yeah. when you feel it coming and you see yourself maybe leaning into suffering, judgment, yeah. worry, what's a statement you use to kind of reset and bounce back? Um, You're not your thoughts. Like what are some things that you use? Yeah. One that I really like is I don't know what's best. Like mm -hmm. you don't know what's best. So hmm. Or, or even it's I like don't the maybe know. story, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in each moment, you know, I've already kind of talked about this a little bit today, but the reality is that you never know what is best. You never know what a situation is going to lead to, but as long as you continue judging each one and every individual situation, it's only going to build up this resistance and, and resentment to what is so, so settling into the reality of, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's best can help you let go and continue sort of align with the flow of life or the flow of, of the game that you're playing. Yeah. I mean, look, you could set up to a shot, pick the right club, make the best swing. It's going at the pin, hits the sprinkler head and goes out of bounds. Right. And, exactly. and I think that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Just we know we get to that good headspace and have a great approach, but whatever happens, I can't control it. Sorry, what did we learn last week, which I loved, right? We had a coach as well as a tour pro from the Canadian tour. And they talked a lot about it all averages out. So that four footer you missed later in the round, you're probably going to make a 25 footer that you have no business making. That's what a 3% chance on tour by the best players in the world. Like whatever that right. percentage is, it all averages out, right? So I think all of those things you guys just said combined with whatever re you resist persists. Think about me with the driver, right? If every time I get a driver in my hand and I'm resisting the miss because I've had so many misses, why do you think I'm still missing it? 
right? Now, of course, it's easier said than done, right? A lot of it isn't even in my head. A lot of it is rewiring my subconscious. It's physiological, right? It's a stress response when I get that in my hand. And that's why I'm so excited about it because it's the ultimate case study. And I will use myself as a learning tool for our listeners. But, you know, if, if I continually reframe my self-image, John told me yesterday in our conversation, he said, and this goes back to what you said, Andrew, about knowing what you want. Like a lot of people don't take the time to really think about what is it that I want and what is it that I do well? A lot of people are just reacting, reacting day to day to people's reactions to what's going on. But he asked me, he goes, what do you think you're really good at? Like, what are we going to hang our hat on with you? And it was two things that we came up with. One, I'm a good athlete. Always have been. But I didn't really relate that to golf. I've always treated golf as like this separate thing. You got to have this good technique. I've got residual baseball stuff. We've talked about that all that shit, right? The other thing is I've gotten evolved mind. Like I've spent 17 years working on my own thoughts, separating from the meaning of my thoughts. So if I just lean into, I'm a great athlete and I have the ability to think my way around this course different than a lot of people here. Think about that feeling And that confidence of like that authentic, that's me. I can roll with that. Like I can lean into that no matter how I hit it today. I can focus on controlling my attitude because I can do that. I can control that regardless of how hard it is versus this like, "Ah, I'm a six handicap, Serm's a scratch. They're hitting fairways. I'm not, I'm not as good with the driver. Do you see this difference? It's my baseball problems where Andrew said, Maybe that's really just Maybe to make you've been telling yourself. You haven't played baseball since, since high school. Right. So I think I, I say that for people to really think about, like, feel the difference of those two scenarios, right? One is really light and hopeful, excitement, confidence. The other is very heavy, June gloom, you know, fear driven. So, Andrew, I think. That's a lot of what you talk about too, is the power of our thoughts and the feeling that it then creates and the way that we then experience what's in front of us is everything. And if people can separate their thoughts from who they are and realize that they can watch those thoughts and choose new ones, I think that's is really the key. I think it comes back to the idea that you are never what you think you are and anytime you cling to an idea of these things that have happened in the past that you're, that you're bringing with you will hold you back from the limitless potential that you have in every given moment and so if you if you step up to the to the t with the mentality of i am a bad driver like that's going to be expressed through that but the opportunity to be whatever you sort of want to be like that mentality of I am, I'm a great driver and, and having that idea or even not having any ideas at all. And just just being like, I like recognizing that you have practiced so many times and, and you've done it before. And, and the freedom of the peace of mind of not identifying as anything at all allows for that natural sort of potential to be expressed because most of the time when people are held back, especially if they've done something many times, it's the mental barriers of what they think they are. So without any idea of what you think you are, that potential will be expressed and the, you know, the drives will inevitably end up being fantastic. And look, I'm not saying this stuff is easy. I actually think it's hard. The easy thing is to react. Right. The easy thing is to live in fear because that's how we're wired, you know, 80% negative because we're meant to survive. But I just remind people of that, of like, to your point, Andrews, you said before, like, we try things, they don't work. We, we don't do it anymore. Let me just remind everybody. If we would have looked at how many people are listening to this show in the first year, we wouldn't have a show. 
right? So if I would have stopped working on the thing that I'm working on with my coach and my swing the first day, I wouldn't, my swing would be all over the place. I'd be doing a new thing every day, right? So the commitment to what you want to hang your hat on and just keep chipping away at it, I think is huge. Um, the last thing I'll ask you, Andrew, and we'll let you go, is uh, I think you said something really interesting in one of your videos. You said, it's kind of crazy. We have a limited time on earth and we don't know how long it is. And that's pretty messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> to end that way. Like, if you think about it, that's kind of crazy. Like, we tell ourselves, I just had a crazy run where I played Bandon and Pinehurst and back-to-back weeks. And when you go to a place like that, it's easy to be like, well, I don't care what I shoot because this is a bucket list place and I want to enjoy it. But there's no guarantee I'm going to play the executive I'm playing tomorrow again. I don't want to get too dark, but, like, I don't know. So I guess I'll ask you, Andrew, to close it out. Of all the things we talked about today, maybe something we haven't talked about for the golfer or the person that golfs, what is something you want to leave them with? If they're going to take one thing to the course tomorrow. What do we want to end on? Harped on it a lot today, but I think we get so hyper-focused on the thing that we're doing or our performance day-to-day or moment-to-moment, but you know, for example, tying it back to, you know, limited time on earth or thinking about you on your deathbed. Like when you look back on your life, you're not going to remember the individual shot. You're not going to remember even the individual scores or your handicap. You're going to remember the times and experiences that you had out on the course and how much you enjoyed just being out there, like being able to just, sometimes I'll just go, well, when I wasn't playing as much, I was, I was just walk the course. And it's like, so cool to just be out in nature, walking, being able to hit a golf ball. And, and even just those couple, like really good shots that you have in a round, that's what you're going to hold on to those feelings. That's what you're going to remember the times with your friends that you're out there. So just having that perspective and not getting too hyper-focused on, you know, shot to shot, round to round performance, not sort of judging yourself along the way, no matter what, where your game's at, you're always making progress, even when it seems like you're going backwards, you're still making progress. And the less you're able to judge yourself along the way, the more you're able to recognize that perspective of what you're actually going to hold on to when, when you're older and maybe you're, you know, 90 and not able to play anymore, but you're still healthy. And you're, you're just wishing you could just get out there. You could shoot a hundred and you'd be perfectly happy. So keeping that in mind, recognizing, you know, what you're going to remember from your life. And it's, it's usually not an individual shot or an individual score. And that, uh, so yeah, that, that helps me at least. That's great. I think that's going to be a, a sound clip for us. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And it. if you guys aren't following Andrew, follow him at a dot Murnane on Instagram and not Andrew Murnane, but he actually is, uh, <laughs> or is he at on TikTok? Um, and the dualistic unity podcast is great as well. I would say, you know, I actually think there's a lot of parallels if, you know, any of our listeners, obviously golf geeks love geeking out on this stuff to improve their game. But if you like this stuff more for life and more general, I think your dualistic podcast is a great one to check out. So thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on again. We could have gone three hours. We'd love to have you back at some point, maybe dig more into like specific rounds, specific parts of your game more as a mental game roundtable would be fun, but yeah, we just a, appreciate you enjoying the ride. Pleasure meeting you, Andrew. Yeah. yeah, Evan, Matt, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Had a great time. With you.